everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So we're getting straight into it this week. Um, the drama that I've chosen to talk about today is called Rookie Historian Gu Hae Rung. So Rookie Historian Gu Hae Rung came out in 2019, so it's quite a new recent drama. It's a historical, so it's set in the early 19th century uh, in Joseon. And the reason that I picked it I kind of have a weird history with this show in that when it was coming out, um, you know, I saw all the promos and I was like, I want to watch that. That looks like my kind of show. I love historical Korean dramas. I just really, really enjoy them. I think um, they just have the opportunity to kind of raise the stakes so much. And you can tell so many different types of stories in that historical setting. Um, but then, you know, you can also throw in lots of conflict and obstacles like torture and death and crazy stuff like that, you know, action stuff. So I really, really like historicals. Um, so as soon as I saw it, I was like, you know, it's kind of a bit more of a youth bent one. Like it's not um, kind of a really serious political kind of show at all. So I, I thought that was really appealing. Um, and then, you know, they announced the casting. Um, so the main lead actress is Shin Se-kyung. Um, I really, really like Sin, <laughs> Shin Se-kyung. Um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing her name terribly. I'm very sorry, Shin Se-kyung. Um, I really like her. I think she's beautiful. I think she's a great actress. Um, her dramas for me have been very hit and miss. I always like her, but I don't necessarily like her shows. Um, in saying that though, I did watch her in um, Bride of the Water God. I only watched a little bit of that recently and I thought she was pretty terrible in it, but <laughs> I don't know what was going on with that show. Um, I think everyone was terrible in it. Um, so that was weird. Uh, but you know, on the whole, I think she's a very, very likable actress. So she was definitely a draw card for me in watching this. And the male lead, um, he is played by the actor Cha Eun Woo. So Chan Wu was in, I'd seen him before in um, Gangnam, Gangnam Beauty ID, ID Gangnam Beauty, whatever the fuck that drama's called. I think you guys know the one I'm talking about. Um, and he was good in it, but he plays this very sort of, you know, cold, disconnected uh, guy who doesn't make a lot of facial expressions. So I never really connected with him in that drama, but I also saw him do a tiny cameo role in another drama that I really enjoyed, which is a very light, silly, funny drama called The Best Hit. And he's got a very small role in that, um, Chan Wu does, and he is so good in it. He's just 
charming. And I feel like his character in um, Rookie Historian Gu He Rong is a lot closer to that sort of impish, charming, sweet kind of role, um, which I think he actually does very well. Um, I don't know, maybe because I think he is a bit of a rookie actor. He's a little bit new probably to, you know, taking on lead roles. Um, but I think in, in this case, it lends this kind of raw sweetness to him that I think really, really suits the character because the character is meant to be very naive and very silly, basically. And I think his sort of slightly exaggerated, um, sweet facial expressions um, and, you know, just the way he's so exuberant, um, it really suits the character. So I felt like he was a very good fit in this drama. But I guess the weird thing about this drama is that last year, um, in 2019, I did give it a watch. I, I tried to watch it. I watched the first episode um, and it just didn't connect with me. But I think also I didn't really give it a chance. I wasn't really paying attention. I probably was on my phone at the same time or something really stupid like that. So by the time I got to the end of the episode, I was like, I have no fucking clue what even happened. So I just never kept going with it. Um, but after, you know, having some contact with a lovely listener, um, called Charlotte, um, over Instagram about K-dramas and in 2019, this drama, Rookie Historian Gu Herong was her absolute favorite of the year. And she really, really suggested that I give it another go. So I really wanted to, I started from the beginning again and I really wanted to, you know, give it a proper try. So I forgot to say, uh, but this is a 20 episode drama as the historicals so often are. Um, I think it aired in that crazy way where each half an hour is its own episode, but back to that, I don't think that makes any sense at all. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the intro to the drama. For me, one thing that I really noticed straight away with rookie historian Gu Herong is the way it looks. So it is filmed so well. It is so clear, like crystal clear and just beautiful. Like it's so sharp and clear and clean. Um, so I really liked that. And particularly, I guess, with the Joseon setting and the clothes and the outfits and a lot of the drama is um, set in the palace. So it's not got that kind of gritty squalor or anything like that, that some of the historicals do when they're really trying to show some of, you know, these grotty conditions that people lived in. I mean, there's a section of the drama, I guess, that goes into that. But on the whole, it's a very clean, sharp sort of, I guess, camera work that really suits the setting of the drama because it is all the royals and in the palace and, you know, I guess everyone is quite clean and sharp themselves. <laughs> well, I don't really know what I'm saying, but I think it just looked really nice and I really noticed that about it. Um, I really, really thought it was a beautiful looking drama and I think also the costumes, I guess it's because realistically once the drama gets like really started, there isn't really any poor main characters everyone is quite well off they're either wearing um you know royal uniforms because they're part of the royal court or you know working in the palace or they're literal princes and kings so so the outfits are beautiful like I think really really gorgeous and I think I really really noticed too I guess um, the shape of the hanbok, um, the dresses like that the women would wear, particularly the skirts, like that kind of, um, I guess, silhouette of those skirts changes a lot throughout the history of Joseon. Um, I've seen it online, you know, just that different silhouette, but particularly, I guess this is set in the early 19th century and it's, um, you know, 
Guherang, her skirts um, from her hanbok are just so puffy and floaty and there's just all this beautiful like beautiful material floating around and like I couldn't help noticing how gorgeous the clothes that she wears are. Um, of course she becomes a rookie historian as the name of the drama suggests so she does spend a lot of the drama from one point onwards um, wearing a uniform and even the uniform is pretty like um, clothes wise you know it's just a very aesthetic drama I think it looks really really nice so I really really enjoyed that aspect of it. So I'm going to try and give you guys a little bit of the story setup. I think something that's quite interesting about this show is that the story it sets up in that first episode and how it introduces the characters at the beginning really doesn't kind of follow through. So there's a big shift in the drama when Guhe Rung gets her job as a rookie historian and everything really changes from that point on. Um, Even sort of the main sort of maybe personality, not quirks, but maybe their, their passions or interests seem to sort of shift as well, which is quite interesting and not something I really had a problem with at all. But I, I it does make me feel that the setup in that first drama, uh, that first episode rather, doesn't really give you an impression of what the show will be like. I think the show is a little bit different to how it starts off. Um, so basically, at the very beginning, we get introduced to the character of Gu Herong. So I have to say, Herong is extraordinary. I adored her. She is such a cool character. Um, this drama is... I guess I want to say it's very, very feminist, I think is kind of the impression that really hit me after watching, you know, after watching maybe even just you know, the first third of the drama, from that point onwards, I was like, oh my gosh, this drama is, it's saying some stuff and it's, it just has some really interesting themes um, that, you know, I don't know that I've come across before. I mean, perhaps I have. It's not just that Herong is, you know, a strong, determined heroine or that she's bold or anything like that. Um, realistically, it's about, I think, the fact that they really swapped over the sort of stereotypical gender roles for characters in, you know, not so much in K-dramas, but in the history of the world. The kind of roles that are more traditionally given to women or traditionally given to men in this drama with the two leads just seem to be flipped. So to try and explain what the fuck I'm trying to say. So the main male lead in this, his name is Lee Rim. So Lee Rim is a prince of Joseon, but he is a second son. He's the younger one. So he's sort of, you know, he's the spare, I suppose. Um, he has a beautiful relationship with his older brother, who is the crown prince, which I have to say, I adored it. Um, but Lee Rim is just not your typical male hero type from K-dramas or from, you know, history, I guess, in the in the type of stories that are more stereotypical, I suppose. So Lirim is basically a fairy tale princess. He is a prince and he is naive and he is romantic and he believes in love and he's swoony and he just sits in his palace and he's basically fucking locked away like Rapunzel or something, except 
you know, with a normal amount of hair. And he doesn't do anything because he's a prince and he can't. He just gets waited on hand and foot by his attendants. And he's a sweetheart. Like he is completely naive about everything, but he is such a sweetheart and he just wears his feelings on his sleeve and he he just has no guile to him I suppose and even when you know his trusty best friend eunuch guy who waits on him hand and foot is sort of telling him you know how to play romance games and things like that like Lirim just doesn't he just comes out with it and because of that there's some very swoony scenes that I have to say I say they're swoony because they're so moving in, I think, the way that the two characters interact with each other. That Lirim is so straightforward and forthright when he confesses his feelings. Like, he's so naive that he doesn't even know that, you know, that there's games you can play in romance or that you can hold back or you can pretend you don't like someone to try and make them like you more or try and make them jealous. Or he just doesn't know about those things and he doesn't care. So he just... He says it like it is, and it is so refreshingly charming. And then on the other side, you have Guhe Rong, who again is so forthright and so, I don't want to say she's bold. She's not one of these tough heroines who's bold. She's just, she's just really, I don't even know how to explain her. I loved her so much. She's just such an intelligent, smart woman. She's so modern and she's willing to stand up for what's right, but I don't even know how to explain her. I loved her so much. And she's so straightforward as well. You know, if if Lee Rim gets real flustered around her, she's just, I guess she sort of has this assertive confidence that we more typically see with male leads in dramas. You know, when the girl is being all shy and coy and, you know, embarrassed and doesn't want to, you know, kind of express that maybe she wants to kiss him or something and he'll just, you know, grab her and kiss her or, you know, just say something that absolutely, um, you know, makes her swoon. But in this drama, Herong is the one who does these really assertive, confident things and she's the one who moves their relationship forward. Like, I mean, Lee Rim is the one who kind of confesses and, and makes her realize how he feels. But the second she knows, she's just like, snap, snap, all right, done. Like, I'm, I'm hitting on you and it's all happening. And again, refreshingly charming. So <laughs> I told you I was going to like actually tell you about the show and all I did was tell you about the two leads um, with absolutely no context. So I'm sorry about that. But I think they are wonderful. They are not the only reason to watch this drama by any means. There are so many good things going on and so many interesting themes woven throughout this story. Um, but I really loved them both and I loved how unexpected and refreshing their characters were. So back to the beginning of the drama. So Rookie Historian Gu Herong opens with Herong, we begin to get to know her. So um, in Joseon times, because there was no TV, <laughs> so apparently a lot of noble families would hire a book reader and the book reader would come and read you, say, novels and things like that. So it kind of opens with Herong reading this novel to a whole room of noble women. Um, and they are all, you know, very excited and waiting to swoon because she's apparently reading them, you know, this super passionate romantic story. It turns out she's actually reading them a piece of um, Western literature in which the main character like 
blows out his brains at the end because he doesn't end up with his love. And all these noble women, are, you know, they're very pissed off. It's not what they signed up for. So we learn very quickly that Herong does not like romance. She doesn't care about romance novels. She... And this is one thing I liked about Herong as well. So she is not without her faults. She is such a likable, cool person. And yet there are elements of her that I was like, oh, so this is one of them. She is like a literary snob. I'm an author. So I, <laughs> I do come across this stuff a bit because, you know, I guess the things that I write would be considered more commercial, which means, um, you know, not so highbrow, I suppose. So it's not like a literary work of masterpiece, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, was Herong, you know, she, she looks down on popular fiction or romance fiction. She thinks that it's fucking stupid, um, which is fine, but also she's quite snobby about it and thinks that everyone else who likes it is, you know, a bit of an idiot. <laughs> I liked this about her. I liked that she is cool and that I loved her as a character, but she's also not perfect. She's also quite rich and comfortable and has lived a very, I don't want to say sheltered life, um, sheltered in as much as she is rich and she hasn't suffered her own hardships ex exactly or that we know of at this point at the beginning of the drama. Um, but she's also a little bit naive because of it. So she has grown up in a household with her older brother who dotes on her. He loves her. So she's already, I think she's supposed to be 27 I think or 25 I can't remember but she's you know she's unmarried so that's considered like old maid territory in the Joseon period of course when people are getting married when they're like you know a young bachelor at 15 you know <laughs> I remember reading that in a folk tale once and I was like Bleh. but um you know that's how everything was back then um, but she hasn't been forced to marry. She's living very independently. She reads books to people because she wants something to do. She studies, she reads, she, she's very engaged in the world, but she is sheltered in a way. And so that kind of comes across when, you know, a little boy steals um, something from her on the street and she tracks him down and she's super cool. You know, she grabs him and doesn't let him get away with it. But then she's like, you know, take me to your parents. And I'm like, he's a little street urchin, ruffian, he clearly hasn't eaten in a hundred years. Like he obviously doesn't have parents, but she, it doesn't occur to her, you know? So she's like, Oh, take me to your parents. So anyway, he gets away and she follows him and it turns out he's a slave at this horrible household and they're beating him. So she walks in there and is like, how dare you beat this child? I'm going to take him. And the people in there, the nobleman's like, dude, that's my slave. I can beat that slave if I want to. Like that's how the world works. And that is how her world works, but she just has these sort of righteous notions where she doesn't quite understand. And I think that's because, you know, she, technically she has slaves in her house too, but she thinks of them as her family. But in saying that, they're still slaving away, looking after her and getting up and cooking for her and cleaning her room. And, you know, so there is this kind of level of disconnect and it's not Herong's fault at all. Like she's a noble woman. This is the way she's been raised. You are always going to see the world through, I guess, the viewpoint of how you've been raised of, of your, your world through your family. Like how could you know any different or any better if that's all you've experienced? Um, so I liked it. I liked it a lot that she's not perfect. The drama doesn't pretend that she doesn't have these slight naive things going on. And yet she's so likable. Um, so what happens is her older brother 
he says, you know, she's getting older and as much as he would love and I think be 100% happy to just allow her to live forever in his house independently and be fine. He says that once you reach a certain age, people start like complaining, like the local people will start complaining to the government that she's unmarried because there's like bad luck kind of shit going on. And eventually a petition will reach, you know, the king or whatever, and the high government will send, you know, someone to force her to get married and they will make a match for her. And the match will probably be, you know, fucking stupid, like, um, you know, some poor nobleman or something or some really old dude. And so uh, Herong's older brother wants to organize a good marriage for her so that she doesn't get forced into a shit one in a few years when she's considered too old to be single. So that's an interesting part of Joseon's society that I think um, I've only seen touched on a little bit in the Korean drama. Uh, what is it? 100 Days My Prince? or my, Yeah, that one. I've forgotten what that one's called with Nam Ji Hyun. Um, which I really enjoyed that drama. And that one also kind of touched on the idea of being a woman and sort of getting older and not being married and how the government can force you, force you to go and get married. So that was really interesting. But Herong still really just rails against it. She's horrified, you know, she's she's been allowed to grow up in such an independent modern way that being forced into a marriage like no matter how nice this guy might be or could be she doesn't know him so she doesn't care she doesn't want it so she manages like he's obviously a really nice guy because he totally takes the fall for her and allows her to you know get out of the marriage well you know it all kind of blows back on him so he's clearly a good dude um, but, you know, that's not the point. Just because someone's a good dude doesn't mean you want to marry him. Like, um, so at this point, because of all these sort of like crazy inner political things going on um, and little conspiracies in the royal palace, um, they've sort of created this new office. So in Joseon, there were historians and I have read a little bit about this um, and I find it very interesting, but I have to say, I don't know much about it, but all through Joseon history, historians would basically record everything that happened in, I think in the drama, they're called Sarcheks um, and, or administration records or whatever. Um, so the, everything that the king does or says and everything that happens gets put into these um, administration records and then they get copied. Like, I think it's like something like three or four times and get sent to different places around the country where they are kept safe. So from memory, um, I'll have to look it up to make sure that this is even a true thing. So I might make a note on that later, but um. Uh, I think that during the invasion, the Imjin War in the 1590s, um, when all the Japanese samurai came in, I'm pretty sure that quite a lot of those administration records got destroyed. And I feel like maybe in the end there was only one that survived one place. Um, so, you know, that's history. It's absolute history. And the thing that's interesting too is the king isn't allowed to read those records. And the idea is they're supposed to be an unbiased, objective recording of history, um, which is a fascinating system that, you know, in a way, Joseon kings were very powerful, but in other ways, they are just so completely blocked and controlled by their court and by the system of, I guess, you know, the Joseon royal system or governing system or whatever you want to call it, which is very fascinating. Like, you know, when you think of these mad, you know, English kings and stuff in medieval history and it always sounds like they just do whatever the fuck they want and it's, you know, their word and their final and they'll have advisors, but they just don't seem to have such a huge sort of government that has so much power to oppose them.
So, you know, in this, the kings, they can't read these books that are all about them. But anyway, that was a really long segue to tell you guys that they decided the royal court to bring in women historians who will be historians of more domestic things, everyday things. So they will be in the room with the king and the prince and the queen mother to record their daily doings. And the idea of it is to stop the royal family from being able to have little weirdo secret meetings all the time for political plotting. So not great for the royal family also to have your privacy invaded at every moment, but realistically they're all surrounded by eunuchs and other people all the time. There is literally a scene in this drama when the king has to go and basically do a poo and he does one behind a screen with about a thousand fucking people watching him. It's fucking awkward. I didn't like it. <laughs> and another reason why I guess sometimes I have an issue with all the royal dramas just because I find it really hard to kind of get into romance scenes or passion scenes or screaming scenes or anything emotional when the characters who are having an emotional moment are surrounded by like 50 eunuchs and court women who are all just staring at them. Um, I just find things less romantic when there's an audience, but that's just me. Um, so I was telling you guys about the drama. I feel like I'm getting really off topic here. So Herong is, um, you know, she reads these books. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so she's going to marry this guy. She runs off and she finds out that there is a civil service exam that will enable women to pass it and get to be a historian. So she decides that this is an out. She will have something to do. She will be useful. And so she passes and she gets in. And she gets in along with three other women. So another aspect of this show that I adored was these four women. So the rookie historians. Obviously, they all get treated like shit because, um, you know, it's a very male-centered everything, basically, a society, but also particularly, you know, in the court. So they're looked down on, they're not treated well. But it was something I really enjoyed seeing in the drama. One, how the girls dealt with it, how they fought back, how they all held their heads high and just endured. And I loved the idea of them wanting something more from their lives than they had experienced before. That was really cool. But I also liked seeing all the men in this um, historian department who at the start are dicks, they're total dicks. And they don't change so much as to become really perfect shining examples of, you know, gender equality or anything like that, um, which again, I kind of liked because it's more realistic seeing them change in smaller ways. Like, you know, one or two of them remain a dick the whole way through, but I kind of just liked seeing the transition. I'm um, particularly with the leader of the historians, who's this kind of old screamy, weird guy who's awful at the beginning and by the end, very likable. Um, and he really grows to respect the four women, but, you know, not in a perfect way again. He just, I really liked it. So I really loved seeing the transition of how these four women sink into this, you know, this department and how they eventually pull their weight and how they gain respect and how the men around them are impacted by their presence. So I really, really enjoyed that aspect. At the beginning of the drama, just taking you back to the male lead played by Chan Wu, so Lee Rim. He is a romance novelist who has never experienced romance. So this is the other thing that I think is kind of weird about the drama is it's all very much so billed at the beginning. Like he's a prince who loves romance, who's never been romantic. Realistically, that storyline only kind of lasts for you know, the first two episodes and then he gets banned from writing romance books and then 
he doesn't really do that again. <laughs> um, for most of the drama, it's just, you know, it's not really a plot point anymore. But it is kind of a nice idea. And I think it brings me back to him being him being a princess in a fairy tale. You know, he's someone who is just so romance obsessed because it represents, uh, like, I guess, an element of life that he just can't experience. You know, he can't generally leave the palace. He's generally very, very isolated. He can't be useful or be part of courtly life. He's not allowed to study with everyone else or make decisions or you know, he really is a princess in like a gilded cage, you know, and kept away in an isolated tower. Um, And he's so naive and sweet and him, uh, you know, when he meets Herong and they just have these polar opposite things when it comes to romance and literature. And so they butt heads immediately. And, you know, he's also a prince who's very used to everyone doing whatever he says. And she's, you know, she's pretty independent, so it's not going to happen. So I do really like all their interactions. I think they're quite fun. I just feel like their interactions in the first two episodes um, really have nothing to do with the rest of the show, like in terms of their character setups, um, which is... I didn't really mind, to be honest. And I guess I will just quickly mention at the beginning of the drama, there was some scenes that I really really loved and again I think this is probably because I'm an author and I care a lot about books and stories but um at one point because there's sort of a dangerous uh like folk novel running around it's not running around it's being passed around the marketplace um and the king it's kind of um we don't know at the beginning of the drama, but it's like, you know, it's a mysterious story that could potentially have the impact to rock the royal family kind of disguised as an adventure novel. Um, so because the king wants to make sure that no one gets to read this story, um, he bans it, but he also bans all the other popular novels that might be um, impacting negatively the Joseon people. And that, of course, includes all the romance novels that Lee Rim is writing. So he gets told that he can't write his romance novels anymore. And it is such a sad, crushing scene. Like, And it, I think it really, really affected me just because the idea of having all these stories in your head and feeling so passionate about them and then being told you could never write one again, like it's so sad and moving. And I loved his desperation and his reaction to it. I really, really liked. And then kind of to, even though Lee Rim and Herong are, polar opposites in many ways um, at the same time we see how she's reacting to having all her books taken away and she goes to the center of the town and she, there's you know there's a book burning with everyone with these massive piles of books getting burned and she just freaks out and again I loved it I loved her reaction to this it was so moving and I think, you know, it reminds you, like, this is the kind of thing that's happened in history. You know, books getting destroyed because of the things they contain and how that might impact a population. And it just goes to show you the power of stories, you know, the power of stories to change minds and really change the world in a lot of ways. Um, and I also really like the idea of I guess that difference between, say, literary or educational or books that, you know, parents might want their kids to read as opposed to, say, commercial fiction, you know, like Lee Rim's romance novels, which a lot of people think aren't as good or, you know, don't have as much value. And I just feel so strongly that every book has value, like whether you like its contents or not, like I don't think anything is bad. And the idea of 
censorship, I suppose, <laughs> which is, you know, what part of this story, I guess, at this point in the drama was about, like, it's such a full on idea to who has the right to choose what books are good and bad and what should be banned and what shouldn't. It's just the start of, in my mind, bad things. So I, yeah, I just, I really liked those scenes and I think it really, really made me care for those characters. Okay, so I feel like I've really meandered my way around this discussion on this K-drama. Um, I did have a list of points I was going to make that were coherent and in order and I just, I totally just fucking threw that out the window and just started waffling. Um, I guess, you know, there was elements of this drama that I just loved so much and I think when I get quite excited by ideas I probably flip-flop all over the place as I'm trying to explain what I mean. Um, I hope that I've made it clear enough that you get a bit of a sense of what this show is like. Um, I will say um, I really loved this. I thought it was really good, but I do think there were a few things in it that I don't know if they're criticisms exactly, but maybe points that sort of gave me pause. So one of the things is I have to admit it can be a little bit slow in its pacing. And I think there are a few reasons for that. And I didn't mind it. But it does mean that you have to be sometimes in the right mood to watch a show that isn't sort of driving forward. And I think one of the reasons for this um, is because so particularly with historicals, um, there tends to be, you know, there will be episodic I guess, conflicts and things that happen, but there usually is one sort of overarching driving plot, you know, something that we're heading towards and you can really feel it going there. Like there's a point for everything. Whilst with this drama, it really does just sink into the point of this drama is seeing Herong be a rookie historian and see her battle the sexism and difficulties that this new role is constantly kind of raining down on her all the time. And I liked that. There's nothing wrong with that. But because there isn't like an overarching, I guess, goal other than, you know, daily survival in this new job, you don't have that sort of long term hook, I think, that you can see what your end game is and see what the drama is pacing towards. So I think at times, you know, when you're watching an episode, you know that the conflict is whatever that episode's conflict is. And you know that next episode, there'll be a different conflict. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but I think it does just slow up the pacing a little bit because things get resolved. And then a new thing comes along and then that gets resolved and then a new thing comes along. There is a bit of like a political sort of birth secret thing, but it really doesn't come in till, um, you know, three quarters of the way through the show. I mean, it's kind of there threaded through, but not not in the level that makes you feel like it's urgent. That's all. Um, so I didn't mind any of that though. Um, another thing I think that slows the drama in a little bit, and I feel in two minds about this because I loved it. I loved it as a point, as a theme, as a reason behind this character. But I do feel that, so I guess I'm talking about Lee Rim. So Lee Rim, the whole thing about him is that he's, you know, he's a princess in a tower and he doesn't have a lot to do because of that. And I guess, you know, it brings you back to these really old fairy tales where 
the princess really did sit around and just wait to get rescued by the prince. And in this case, the prince is Herong. And Herong is fucking busy. She's doing stuff all the time. She's fighting back on all these different levels to live her life and live well. And meanwhile, we keep cutting back to Lirim, the prince. And what he's doing is generally sitting around mooning over Herong and waiting for her. So I'm in two minds. One of one side of that is I love it. I love that kind of role reversal. I love that he doesn't do anything except moon over her. And, you know, if they kiss the next scene, you know, the next day, she, she'll think about it and she'll be moved by it. But also she's got to deal with work. She's got to deal with her boss. She's got to deal with a fucking king getting up in her business. Like she's a busy girl. But the next day for Lirim, all he does is sit in his room and think about her and that kiss and moon over it and just all that romance. And I love it as a theme and as a point, like a point of the drama that of this reversal, I suppose. But in terms of his character having agency and having like in terms of plot and pacing, I think it could have a little bit of a negative impact in terms of just driving the show forward. Because every time we flip back to Lirim and a scene with him in it, you kind of know that there isn't going to be any sort of driving conflict to it. It's more just going to be him living his life and thinking about Herong. So, uh, yeah, I feel kind of complicated about it because I don't mind it. Um, I just think sometimes, yeah, it just doesn't drive the drama forward, I suppose is what I'm saying. And that's not a bad thing, you know. Sometimes you are in the mood to watch something that is slow or not slow it's not slow but slower something that you need to stop and sink into and really really feel the moments of it it's not the kind of show that's just going to like drive you forward at a crazy pace you know filled with action and stuff I mean sometimes it does but I think you guys hopefully will understand what I'm trying to say so at the beginning of the show, Lirim does get set up to kind of have his own things going on. But once he gets banned from writing his novels, he really doesn't have a lot to do other than sort of wait for Herong and ask where she is and, you know, go and find her. And that's basically more of what he does at that point. There are a few points where he does sort of get out and he's able to pretend to be someone else and go out. And then he also gets sent off into the countryside to um, battle some smallpox at one point, which I liked again, because it gave him a chance to make decisions and do something, I suppose. So I did like all those scenes because it, it, it allows him to sort of grow and develop as a character. But at the same time, I love that he's just this naive little romance loving guy who dotes on Herong and all he really needs is her. Like it's very beautiful and romantic and nice. So yeah, I didn't mind it. I'm trying to see, was there anything else? Um, no, that's it. Uh, there was nothing else I didn't like about it because frankly, mostly this show was just kind of beautiful and really moving. And I just loved the themes of it. And I have to say, Herong herself, like she is reason enough to watch this drama. Like you could watch it just for her alone. But on top of the fact that she is an awesome character that you just love and root for and just want to succeed, there's all these other aspects that are so wonderful too. Like her kind of budding, very sweet and sugary romance with Lee Rim is very 
it's very understated and quiet and yet it has these moments that are very surprising and therefore become very swoony and I think that's because of that kind of role reversal thing and because Lee Rim is so naive to romantic games and so straightforward in expressing his affections like that can be very swoony but in a very sweet quiet understated way um but there were quite a few times where they were having romantic interactions where I was like you know edge of my seat it was very very moving and then you know Herong would always sort of react in in a way that was really unexpected because she's so assertive and confident and I loved that about her so I loved the romance the other stuff I loved which I mentioned before is the relationship between the crown prince the crown prince himself is a great character he's so warm and likable and interesting played by the actor Park Ki-wong Park Ki-wong has been in I don't know I haven't seen him in a while but he was in quite a few dramas for a while there and I think really pushing towards male lead territory um, and I think he has been male lead in maybe one or two dramas um, don't think I've seen them um, but he's very good in this and it sort of reminds me you know that he's an amazing actor and why isn't he in more stuff really um, so I loved his very warm and loving relationship with his brother and also loved seeing you know quite often in these dramas when the king is a side plot and he's got a battle against all his, you know, all his courtiers and he's constantly getting into trouble and having to deal with like all the political stuff. I can find that very boring, but because the crown prince um, played by Park Ki-wong is so warm and likable, you end up really, really rooting for him, which means none of that stuff is boring. It's really interesting. You really get drawn into it. Um, I also just really loved all the kind of historian drama Um because it's, I mean, I guess a lot of it's like bureaucracy and it should be boring, but it never is. Um, there's like a thousand men working there, not that many. Um, so we get to know like quite a few of these guys as characters. And again, I liked them. I liked them all. I liked seeing them grow and change. Even the ones that didn't even grow and change that much, I felt that that was realistic and well portrayed. And I really loved the friendship between the four women. Um, they're all, you know, they really make you wonder about them because obviously they have to pass the civil service exam, which means that they have to be very highly educated. And the only women in Joseon that were would be, you know, um, noble women because, you know, peasant women don't have any means to become educated so they're all noble women who are destined for you know marriage and all these sort of like very I guess particular lives is, is all that's open to them and they've all sort of railed against it and chosen this other new avenue and it's fascinating and I loved seeing their friendship bloom and blossom as they come to rely on each other I just thought that was really cool and I really really enjoyed it um, but definitely Herong herself is she's everything she's so good um so I think that's it from me on rookie historian Gu Herong I think um I think it's definitely worth your time I think it's a very beautiful drama and other than just everything you know the characters and everything I think the themes of it are just very moving and beautiful and really got under my skin so um I think it's definitely worth your time um I do think it's a little bit slower than some other dramas I've watched so you know maybe it depends on you being in the correct mood for it sometimes as well um but definitely a beautiful show worth a watch so that was rookie historian Gu Hae Rong So now it is time for my random thing of the week and this week I have 
So when I watch dramas, I have like a little notes thing and sometimes I write down little quotes. Oh, that was my cat. She just meowed on the floor. Go away. I'm busy. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. She's um she's hungry, but she's on a diet at the moment because she's getting way too fatty. It's very cute when she's fatty, but it's not very healthy for her. So I'm, I'm we're trying to to get her um to a normal weight. And that wasn't my random thing of the week. <laughs> so um like I was saying, sometimes I write down quotes that really move me from the show shows that I've been watching. And there was two that I wanted to share with you guys this week as my random thing. Um, so I just started watching a 2019 Korean drama called The Light in Our Eyes, Your Eyes, The Light in Your Eyes. So I don't really know much about it. I've only just started it and it's a very strange little show so far. Um, but I'm weirdly enough, it's it feels quite odd, but I'm just sinking into it. It's very beautiful and moving so far. But there was a really lovely quote that one of the characters said um, and she said, isn't it courageous, though, to express how you feel? And I thought that was such a beautiful quote. Um, it's just one of those ones. I think every time they say something similar to this in a drama, my head just perks up. And I just think it's such a beautiful reminder that, you know, it's not a bad thing to express yourself and to be honest about how you feel. Um, you know, there's no point sometimes. I think it's easier to play games and it's easier to put up walls and pretend that you aren't hurt if you're hurt or that you don't, you know, feel vulnerable if you do. Um, I just love the idea of being able to express your feelings honestly. And I agree with this character. I think it is courageous. Um, I don't think it should be, you know, I think it should be what everyone does. Just be honest about how you feel. But, you know, unfortunately, life doesn't always work that way. And I think from a very young age, we tend to kind of be taught to play games and not express ourselves properly and you know particularly perhaps when it comes to romance to really you know the idea that the person who likes more is um you know has less power it's one of these terrible sayings that go around all the time and so that's when I think you know romantic games really come into it where people don't want to appear vulnerable but I love the idea of being courageous enough to express how you really feel um so that was a quote that really moved me and then another quote that I really loved that I wrote down um, I've mentioned it a whole shit ton of times on this podcast but Between Lovers is one of my favorite dramas and in that drama the two main characters um it's a love story and it takes them forever to sort out their shit. They both just have such huge PTSD and trauma from these past tragedies in their lives. And eventually, you know, they have this sort of day together where they've both expressed to each other that, you know, they care. And they just have this really simple time together walking around and just holding hands. And the male lead just sort of shrugs and he's like, it wasn't much happiness and it's like it's finally occurred to him after all these years that you know happiness isn't some big shining perfection that you can only reach once you've let go of your traumas and your troubles it's like happiness can be in these tiny small moments with other people that you love and it can just be holding hands with someone you love and walking down the street or it can be you know, just tiny things like watching a sunset or going for a walk or 
petting your cat or, you know, anything like that. You know, happiness can be found in all the small moments of our life. And I really loved that quote because I think it's so true. You know, happiness isn't anything big and grand. It is small and it is achievable. And now it is time for my something I'm loving this week segment, and I'm going to keep it all very K-drama focused this week. So something that I've been really loving this week, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of my episode, and I think on last week's podcast as well, um, I've been a bit stressed out. (laughs) I have been. And there's just been so much going on and so much to do and it's been really hard to sort of work through it all step by step and try and feel on top of it and I feel like actually in the last two days I've been doing a lot better and I think after I get through this public speaking experience then I'll probably be totally fucking fine but something that really really helped me this week um, I had a day I was at work you know I'd got up early in the morning I did my writing and my work in the morning and I was stressed out from the morning just trying to get all this admin stuff I had to do done I went into work and there was so much to do at work and I was really stressed and then you know it just took forever to get home and traffic and just stress 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 and then eventually when I got home I put on a k-drama and I watched an episode um, of a new show that's just come out it's currently airing as I record this called Itaewon Class um, starring Park So Jun and I just watched the first episode and it was like I just disappeared into it into the story and it felt like the first time in days that I was able to just turn my brain off and have a rest and sink into something else and it's a one class was a very different show to what I expected I thought it was going to be light and quirky and funny and it is dark and emotional and it's like molasses I just sunk into it it was a really beautiful emotional experience for me to watch that first episode I really really liked it but I particularly liked the way it was so engaging on every level that I just was like I just disappeared for an hour and I think that is the joy of a good story and the power of a good story um And for me, it was like a recharge, you know, it was like recharging my batteries. And I felt so much better when I sort of reemerged back into the world to have just had a break for an hour and had a rest. So I think that must be called K-drama therapy. (laughs) Um, And it really, really worked. And I felt a lot better afterwards. So I think it's really good sometimes to just, you know, turn off and go and do something like that, that you love, that you feel passionate about, something that you're going to enjoy. And sometimes that's all you need to sort of refresh yourself and be able to sort of tackle your problems again. 